I'm excited to, to continue on in this series where we're going to be digging again into Mark chapter 1. I hope you guys have enjoyed kind of the slower pace that we've been taking with this series. I hope it's been challenging. I hope it's been encouraging. And honestly, maybe more than anything, I hope you've been talking about it. I hope that you're talking about it with your family, with your small group, with your mentor. I hope that we're not leaving it here. Now, I want to read all of the passage that we're going to cover today just to let God's Word speak to us, and then after that, we'll go back and kind of break it down. So if you want to follow along in your Bible or on your Bible app, we're going to be in verses 29 through 39 this morning in Mark chapter 1. It says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everybody's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. We've titled today's message, The King's Priority. We're going to be looking at a day early in the earthly ministry of Jesus. And we're going to see that it was a very busy day. And we said at the beginning of the series that Mark really focuses on the deeds of Jesus. And so as we read the Gospel of Mark, and really all the Gospels, we would imagine that almost every day for Jesus was a very busy day. In spite of that, Jesus didn't let the urgent get in the way of the important. Has that ever happened to you guys? Anybody else feel like me that oftentimes my day, that the urgent takes me away from the important? And we all have things in our life that we would say are truly important, and then all of a sudden the day rolls around and we just get busy meeting one demand after another. And the next thing you know, another 24 hours has come and gone, and we haven't had time to focus on the things that we think are important. You know, I'm really excited about this message today because I think there's something in it for everyone. So if you're here today and you're still just checking out Christianity, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, you're going to see today Jesus' compassion. You're going to see His tenderness You're going to see his willingness to bring healing. Jesus has that same compassion towards you. He has that same tenderness towards you, and he longs to meet your greatest need, which is to be forgiven of sin and have your relationship with God restored. Maybe you've already begun a relationship with Jesus, and you feel like you're tired You feel like you're burnt out. You've been working really hard to serve him. You've been actively engaged in building his kingdom, and you just feel like there's not much left in the tank. 
Or maybe you equate God's love for you with how much you do for him. If that's you, I hope today's message would encourage you, and I hope it would be a gentle reminder that God's love for you isn't based on how much you do for him. Or maybe you've put your faith in Jesus, but you don't feel like you're on mission. You would say, actually, John, I'm, I'm not really tired because I'm not really engaged in doing the work of the kingdom. The, the extent of my time with Jesus is just Sunday mornings. Well, if that's you, I hope this message would challenge you would challenge you to really get on mission and and experience the joy that comes with being spent in service to the king. So here's kind of where we're going today. We're going to look at a busy day, a morning prayer, and then the real priority. And let's start with a busy day. Jesus works day and night to show his compassion for people. Meeting the needs of a broken world can be draining. For those of you who have been engaged, you say amen, right? It can be draining. So we're going to pick this up in verses 29 through 31. It says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her. And she prepared a meal for them. I feel like I need to start off by asking for forgiveness from you guys. I hope you know that I take teaching God's word very seriously. I know that one day I'm going to have to give an account for how I handled his word. And if you were here two weeks ago, I talked about how in the gospel of Luke, the account of healing Simon's mother-in-law happens before Jesus called Andrew and Simon to be his disciples And I made it sound like that was definitive. It's not. After researching more and and preparing for this message, it's clear that it's not definitive that the healing took place before he called them. In fact, in both Matthew and Mark's Gospels, the healing took place after. Now, my point two weeks ago was that Andrew and Simon weren't called to follow Jesus as disciples the first time he met them, and that's, that's true. You can see that both in Luke and you can see it in John. But it's probable that this healing of his mother-in-law took place after he called them to be disciples. So I just want to say I apologize for presenting something as certain that isn't. And in fact, I was probably wrong on. Now, I'm a broken guy, so this probably isn't the last time I'm going to ask you guys to forgive me. (laughs) But just know it's not going to be because I don't take seriously handling God's word correctly. And if that gives you heartburn that there's a different order, I would just remind you the purpose of the Gospels wasn't to give a strict chronological order of Jesus' life on earth. Now, that's how we would write it as 21st century authors if we were putting it together, but that wasn't the intent of the original writers. It was common in that culture to arrange it in a different order. So, for example, Matthew is arranged a lot by topic. Luke has some arrangements by geography. And none of those changes have any significant material changes to the teachings and life of Jesus Christ. So anyway, all that to say, I apologize, and that probably won't be the last time. (laughs) Last week, we left off with Jesus healing a man in the synagogue on the Sabbath. It's the same day, and now Jesus has left the synagogue. He's going with James and John to Simon and Andrew's home. And we see that Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever, and it says that they tell Jesus that right away. 
So you get this, the, the sense that as soon as Jesus walks in the door, the first thing he's met with is, hey, my mother-in-law is sick with a high fever. And it says, immediately Jesus went and healed her. Now keep in mind, Jesus was fully man in addition to being fully God. He's just finished teaching in the synagogue. He's delivered a man from demonic possession. So he's been teaching, he's been engaged in spiritual warfare. He probably had to engage in multiple conversations with people at the synagogue who wanted to know about this teaching and how he did it with such authority. Like he had to be tired. I know how emotionally tired I am when I go home on a Sunday after teaching, especially if it's on a Sunday when I go do jail visitations after I leave here. When I get home on those Sundays, if I walk in the door and my wife or my kids ask me to do something for them, I'll probably do it. But in my selfishness, I can almost guarantee you I'm mumbling under my breath, right? I'm rolling my eyes, but not Jesus. He's so selfless. He doesn't just heal her, he goes to her. He touches her. That's a pattern in Jesus' healing. Jesus often touched the people that he healed. In fact, we're going to see next week when we talk about how Jesus heals the leper, that Jesus touched the leper. That was unheard of in that culture. No one touched a leper. Jesus still comes to us when we call out to him. If you're here today and you just feel like you're on your last straw, I just want you to know if you call out to Jesus, he will meet you right where you are. Jesus was fully God. He didn't have to go into Simon's mother-in-law. He could have just said, be healed right where he was. But in his compassion and his tenderness, he went to her. See, Jesus brought a personal touch that so many people were longing for in that culture a personal touch that so many people are still longing for, even in our culture. And then when Jesus goes in, he brings complete healing. In fact, after he heals, Simon's mother-in-law says that she gets up and she prepares a meal for them. So she had full energy, full strength. The healing was complete. It also shows the difference between when guys get sick and ladies get sick. Because you know if it was Simon's father-in-law, he's not getting up and cooking dinner But because it's the mom, she's like, all right, I'm feeling good. Let's get back to serving. Guys, we need to be tougher when we're sick. (laughs) Now think about all that Jesus has done already. And it's not over yet. We see the next verse. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases And he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now in the Jewish culture, sunset was the beginning of a new day, not sunrise. So the reason that so many people are coming to him now is the Sabbath is over. It's sunset, so a new day has come. See, there were were rules about how far you could travel on the Sabbath. There were rules about working on the Sabbath. We see throughout Jesus' ministry all these tense exchanges between the religious leaders and Jesus when he would heal on the Sabbath. And so people were scared to come for this healing because they didn't want the ridicule from the religious leaders. But now that it's sunset, a new day has come. And look at some of these words in these verses. 
It says that many sick and demon-possessed people were brought. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. He healed many with various diseases and cast out many demons. Jesus' authority that we talked about last week is on full display. He gives commands to the demons and they have no choice but to obey him. They can't even speak because he doesn't allow them to speak. And then Jesus' kingdom that we looked at two weeks ago is expanding. He starts taking back ground that the enemy had with every healing and with every demonic deliverance. We don't know how long this went into the night. The Bible doesn't say specifically. But I would, based on the fact that many people came and many people were healed, it probably went late into the night. And the one thing that I am certain of is that the last person who was healed that night received the same tenderness and the same compassion as the first person. And the people were hungry for this. The people were longing for this. From just one teaching in the synagogue that day and delivering one person from demonic oppression, the whole town shows up because they were looking for something more. And Jesus wanted to give them something more. Jesus wanted to give them something rich and satisfying. He says that in John 10.10. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, to be clear, rich and satisfying life doesn't always mean physical healing. It doesn't always mean material blessing. But it does mean a relationship with the King of Kings. It does mean being a part of his kingdom. It does mean being used by him to build the kingdom and being able to spend eternity with him where there will be no more sickness, where there will be permanent healing of anything that we struggle with here on earth. Are you experiencing that kind of life right now? See, so many people were there that night. The reason the whole town gathered is they had heard the rumors and they were hoping they were true. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you've heard rumors about Jesus. You've heard that he brings forgiveness. You've heard that he can change lives. You've heard that he can bring peace in a world full of chaos. While I and many others in here can attest every single one of those rumors is true. He can do each and every one of those things for you. And if you just call out to him, he'll meet you where you are. If you have questions about that, if you'd like to talk more about that, we would love to have those conversations after the service. That's going to take us to our next point, the morning prayer. So the next morning we see the source of Jesus' selfless service. Expending yourself requires you to recharge through spiritual disciplines. We're going to pick this up now in verses 35 through 37. It says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is looking for you. Now, we don't know for sure when Jesus finally sent everyone home the night before. Again, the Bible doesn't say. But again, I would submit it was probably pretty late based on the fact that many were healed and many demons were cast out. And we know that then before daybreak, Jesus gets up and he goes out to this isolated place to pray. The word got up, the original Greek word means to to basically rise up from a position of lying down. 
So it seems like Jesus was able to get at least some sleep that night that he had fallen asleep, which would have been important. Again, Jesus was fully man. He needed physical rest. He needed physical recharge. But more than that, Jesus knew he needed to recharge spiritually. He needed time alone in prayer with the Father. This is another example of how the kingdom seems upside down to us. <laughs> right? If we were in that situation, Jesus had just finished probably his busiest day in ministry. He was going to be heading into an even busier time. We would say, I've got too much going on to take time away and spend isolated time with God. But Jesus knew that's exactly why he needed to do it. He knew that it was only going to get busier. He knew that ministry was going to intensify. He knew that opposition to that ministry was going to intensify. And he knew he needed time alone with the Father. And so if the perfect Son of God needed to be intentional to take time out and pray, how much more do we need to do that? Now, Jesus chose to do it early in the morning. I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not saying your prayer time has to be early in the morning. I don't think it does. I do think, though, at least framing your day with a quick prayer before you get up and get going is a very healthy thing to do. But maybe you work graveyards or maybe you work swings and you're like, John, there's no way I can do early morning prayer. It doesn't have to be in the morning, but it needs to be intentional. Get it on your calendar schedule it, make sure that it happens. See, Jesus was intentional. He not only got up early, he left the house. He knew that if he stayed in that house, as soon as daybreak happened, everybody was going to be coming to him again, and he wasn't going to have that time alone with the Father. Now, for most of us, we can probably get isolation at home. You know, maybe it's a bedroom, maybe it's your, your study, maybe it's the back deck. Wherever it is, try to free yourself from distractions. Leave your phone in the other room. If you're in a room that has a TV or a computer in it, turn the screen off. Don't be distracted. For those of you who are busy serving God and being on mission, and that's a lot of you, I thank God all the time for all the people we have at Alpine and Logan who serve, and you serve in a lot of different ways. It is critical that you have this time alone with God. Because if you try to serve others on your own power, if you're not getting filled with that living water that God brings, you're going to burn out. You're going to run dry. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to make sure that the being leads to the doing. We need to be connected. See, if we're being connected with Jesus, the doing will take care of itself, I promise you. That passage says you will bear fruit, not you might bear fruit, not there's a chance. It says, hey, if you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. Here's the scary thing. The reverse of that is not true. There is no promise in Scripture that if you do enough, you'll be connected. In fact, Jesus says just the opposite. He says there's going to be a time when many people will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do that in your name? He's going to say, I never knew you. So let's make sure our being is what leads to our doing. Let's be intentional about our time with God. Now, prayer isn't the only way we recharge. It's an important way. Reading God's word is a way that we can recharge singing worship music to God or listening to worship music like we just did is a great way to recharge. 
Fellowshipping with other believers is a great way to recharge. Fasting, solitude, slowing, all of these can be spiritual disciplines God can use to recharge us. Fasting and solitude are are spiritual disciplines that that only until recently, to be honest with you, did I really start to allow God to use. I remember about a year ago, we did a sermon series called Breakthrough, and it was all about spiritual disciplines, and God convicted me during that series that I had never made fasting a regular part of my walk with Him. I'd fasted a handful of times, but I was never intentional about it. And I just felt God calling me to fast at least once a month heading into 2022, and And I was obedient 11 out of the 12 months. I had one month that I missed, but I was obedient in that. And God blessed me in so many ways. It really was a great way to just slow down and refocus. And then when I would do it with other believers here at the church to come together in prayer at the end of that fast time, I was so encouraged every month that we did that. Solitude is another discipline that God has used more and more in my life as I'm getting older. You know, a lot of you know how busy the ministry season is heading into Christmas. Right? We, do, we do four Christmas Eve services. We have a missions week events that are going on. I'm doing year-end leader meetings. There's just a million things going on above and beyond the regular Sundays. So at about 12.01 Christmas morning, like I am whooped. So December 26th, I jumped in my truck and I drove about three and a half hours south to the San Rafael Swell. Just my tent, my bag, my buddy heater, and time alone with God. <laughs> The buddy heater is important. You need that in December. And and on the way down, I just listened to worship music and I listened to some sermons online and just really tried to calm myself before the Lord and just really ask him to kind of get my heart ready. And then then the next morning I got up and, and I went on a couple of different hikes. And on the first hike, I just prayed prayers of praise. I pray a lot more now when I hike than when I was younger. And I don't mean, you know, God, just help me to get up this hill. I do that too, but I mean... So I just, I just praised God. I praised Him for this beautiful creation that I was in. And I praised Him for all the amazing things He did at Alpine in 2022. I praised Him for having a wife who understands that I do have a need for solitude every now and then. I, I praised Him for salvation through Jesus. And then I went on a second hike and I started intercessory prayer. I just started praying for so many of you. And the way I like to do that when I'm hiking, I just pray through the alphabet. So I just kicked it off and I prayed for Al Steele. And then I prayed for Bryce Woodard, and then I prayed for Cameron McDonald, and then I prayed for Denise Claire. You get, you get the pattern, right? A, B, C, D. Now, I skipped Q, X, Y, and Z. They're brutal. So if any of you have a name that starts with Q, X, Y, and Z, let me know, because that would really help me out. And then I would get to the end of that, and I would just start over, just praying for God's people, praying for what He wants to do with us this year. And then on my last hike, I just tried to shut up and listen. I wanted God to tell me what he wanted to do. Because so much of my prayer time is me telling God what I want him to do. So I just tried to listen. Just tried to ask God to reveal to me what did he want to do. We read that in Matthew 6.10. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, that was part of the instructions. That we should pray for God's will to be done. What a great prayer to help us refocus. What a great prayer to help us recharge. Do you know how much pressure it takes off of you when you just pray for God's will to be done? God, you just do what you want to do, and thank you for letting me be a part of it. It'll fill you back up. So I just really want to encourage each and every one of you, 
be intentional about time and prayer this week. And if that's something you've never done, if that's a habit you've never developed, start with five minutes. But be intentional. Put it on the calendar. That may mean you have to wake up five minutes earlier. Jesus got up before dawn. If Jesus can get up before dawn, you can wake up five minutes earlier. Spend time in prayer with God this week. And the other thing I would ask you to do in that prayer time is ask God, is there another discipline you would like me to incorporate more? And maybe try that leading up to Easter and just see how God uses that in your life. That's going to take us into our last point for today. The main priority of Jesus' time on earth was to tell people the good news. The deepest need of the broken world around us is spiritual, not physical. See, Jesus' main priority was not to heal people physically. He did it, and in one sense, he kind of had to do it. Because it was a fulfilled prophecy, that it was prophesied that the Messiah would heal, that the lame would walk and the blind would see and the deaf would hear. But it wasn't the main reason he came. It was also evidence of his deity. It was one of the ways that Jesus said, look, here's proof that I really am who I say I am, that I am God the Son, the second member of the Trinity. Jesus said this in John 10, 38. He was talking to the religious leaders and to other skeptics. He said, but if I do his work... Believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Aside from going to the cross and dying for us, that was his main priority for coming. Jesus' main priority was to teach the good news. See, Jesus wasn't a healer who sometimes preached. Jesus was a preacher who sometimes healed. That was his main priority, and he didn't let the urgent get in the way of the important. The people in Capernaum had witnessed this amazing thing, right? And so they're all going to come looking for him, and Simon and Andrew and and some of the other disciples come out, and they find Jesus praying, and they say, everybody's looking for you. And Jesus doesn't get sucked into wanting to ride that, that fame of everything he did, because again, he didn't let the urgent get in the way of the important. So here's how Jesus responded to them in verses 38 and 39. He said, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus said, I've got to go and preach to others. That's why I came. I'm going to keep the main thing, the main thing. Now, he continued to to preach, and then also he did continue to heal. He continued to cast out demons. But Jesus knew the spiritual needs of the people he encountered were even greater than their physical needs. And honestly, guys, that, that should still be our priority. We should recognize that the spiritual needs of the people around us are even greater than their physical needs. This is what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16. It says, and then he told them, go out into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that meeting physical needs isn't important. Meeting physical needs is very important. As the church, we should be the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, this last Monday, we had a blood drive here at the church because we want to meet physical needs. Our Alpine Cares mobile pantry takes household goods every other month to low-income housing areas here in the valley because we want to meet physical needs. I sent an email out about a week ago 
that many of you graciously and generously responded to about some single mothers who are in a really tight spot, and you guys stepped up with financial help and furniture and other things. It was awesome to see the body be the hands and feet of Jesus. Those things are all important, but let's not lose sight of the greater need that each and every one of those people have. They need to have their sins forgiven. They need to have their relationship with God restored, their need for Jesus. In fact, in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 8, Jesus asked his audience, and what does it benefit you if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? See, the reality is you and I could meet every physical need that someone has, and from an eternal perspective, they're no better off than they were before we started if we don't address their spiritual need. In fact, I would argue they might even be worse off. Because now that they don't have that physical need, they're less likely to recognize just how dependent they are on God. Jesus said how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes God uses those physical needs to draw us to him and to what we need. Now this call to go out into all the world and preach the good news is not limited to pastors, small group leaders, or missionaries. This is a call for everyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. I know we sound like a broken record, but that's why we say every single week here, don't leave this here. <laughs> Please go home and talk about this with someone, with your neighbor, with a coworker, with a friend, with your family, because we're called to go out and share the good news. Now, go out into all the world does not mean you have to be an international missionary. Now, for some of you in here, maybe that is what God's calling you to do. I don't know. But God's calling all of us to go out into our neighborhood, to go out in the workplace, to go out in the classroom, to go out on the athletic field, whatever it is, and share the good news. And here's the coolest thing about it, guys. You can do it. <laughs> Ordinary common people like me and you are who God uses to build his kingdom. We looked at that two weeks ago when he called his first disciples, four fishermen. And he started a revolution with those four guys who were sold out to him. Can you imagine what God would do in Cache Valley if the 400 or so people who attend here regularly got on mission and went out and just did it? And a lot of you are. I don't, I'm not... Don't feel guilty. I'm not trying to shame anyone. God is doing some amazing things. But if we all really bought into that, he would blow this valley up. Some amazing things would happen. See, one of our core values at Alpine is that we're on mission with Jesus. It would break my heart if that's just something that's on our website and on a poster. If we're not actually living it out. Is that tiring? Yes, it is. Does it get messy sometimes? You betcha. <laughs> Do we get drained emotionally and physically when we're trying to meet physical and spiritual needs for others? Yes, we do. That's why it's so important that we follow Jesus' example. That's why we need to make sure that you and I are being connected on a regular basis. Why we let God's living water and his love just literally just fill us up to overflowing so that we can share it with those around us. That's my challenge this week for me. That's my challenge for you guys. I hope that this week, we don't let the urgent get in the way of the important. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you not just for modeling what it looks like to be compassionate, tender, in the way that you healed physical needs, but in the way you healed our spiritual need 
What an amazing example of compassion that you would leave the comforts of heaven, that you would put on flesh, that you would identify with us, and that you would go to the cross and you would die for us. Jesus, we are so grateful for that. And God, we're so grateful that that you use ordinary, common, broken people like us to go out and share this amazing news, this this good news that we can have our relationship with you restored. So God, I just pray, first of all, for anyone here who's, who's never begun a relationship with you, God, that you would draw them to you this morning, that you would meet them right where they're at, that as they cry out to you, you would go to them. That, that's the pattern that you set throughout Scripture. You come to us. You meet us where we are. For those of us who've already done that, and maybe we are feeling a little burnout, maybe we're feeling a little tired, God, would you recharge us? Would you restore us? Would you fill us up with your love and your power so that we can overflow to others? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, it's the first Sunday of the month, so that's our tradition here at Alpine to celebrate communion on the first Sunday of the month. We do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's one of these things in the church, the church calls ordinances, that is a a visible reminder of of a spiritual truth. We also do it because Jesus told us to do it. He told us to do it in remembrance of him. So on the night that he was with his disciples, when he was betrayed, he took the bread during the Passover meal, and he was, he was getting ready to blow their mind because Passover was going to mean something totally different from this point forward. And he took the bread, and he broke, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he took the cup, and he said, this represents a new covenant. This is my blood, which is going to be shed for you. And so we invite anyone here today who is trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins to celebrate with us. So whether you're a regular Alpine or just visiting, if that describes you, we hope you'll join us. If you didn't grab a communion cup on the way in, just raise your hand. Our ushers can bring one by. If you're in the balcony, we have some at the very back up and some bowls up there. I'm going to pray for us. I just invite you to pray. Just do business with God in your chair. And then as you're ready, you can go ahead and celebrate right there in your chair. And then after a few minutes, the worship team is going to lead us in a final song. Lord God, thank you for this chance to just reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for this chance to celebrate that we're washed clean by his blood, that we can have relationship with you. Lord God, we're, we're so unworthy, and I'm so glad that it has nothing to do with our worth and everything to do with who you are and your character. So we thank you for this chance to pause and and just lift our praise to you and our thankfulness to you, God. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.